I'm Evan. And I'm Hannah. We're working together to make a sequel to our first role-playing game, Questlandia, and we're documenting that process in real time. Our last episode was about your Kickstarter questions. So this episode was going to be this more laser-focused look at planning for the launch of the Questlandia 2 Kickstarter. But here's the thing. We are really not ready for the Questlandia 2 Kickstarter. The game still has a long way to go. Part of this public design experiment has been about pivoting. Sometimes when you're working on a game, you have to pivot, and those pivots, usually they happen in private. Like you can scrap an idea and you are not accountable to all the people who listen to your podcast. <laughs> um, so we're not, Questlandia 2 is not getting scrapped. That is not what this is about. But this is about those times when you have to sort of redirect course because the work that you were doing and the thing that you were making had unexpected challenges. So we're not going to talk about the Questlandia 2 Kickstarter today. We're pivoting, and we're pivoting in a big way. And today, we're going to talk about that pivot. All right. So when we began this podcast, we had a timeline for Questlandia. We had a goal of when it was going to come out. Do you remember that goal? Yeah. Well, originally it was going to be like an October to October podcast, but that October has passed. How long have we been doing <laughs> I can't, uh -oh. I don't think we've passed two Octobers yet, but we have, we have passed one October. Okay. So we're coming up on October number two. <laughs> so the game has taken a little bit more than a year to develop on the podcast, um, but we came up with a new goal, which was launching Questlandia 2 in September, this September. That was a good goal. I liked that one. It was a, a really admirable goal. That one did not work out. Yeah. <laughs> or we know it's not going to work out. I mean, I guess like the future is unwritten. But as as the train that we're on right now is not heading towards a September launch. So it was about a month ago that we really said, this isn't going to work. We're not going to hit September. Does that sound right to you? Mm -hmm. And, you know... We're the bosses. We can change the <laughs> schedule. Uh, but it has consequences. So if Questlandia is not launching in September, that means we as a company need to put out something different. So, you know, we're just in the this position where it's a little bit like a snake eating its own tail because having a kickstarter that pays more of your living expenses or allows your company to you know fill fill more of your life with games income is great but then it creates you know this cycle of now needing to make more of your income from games and sometimes things feel a little less flexible that's uh that's life in capitalism that's life in capitalism it's hard to shrink. So if we want to find a way to make some money, 
to cover the interim between now and when we release Questlandia 2, probably we want to release a project, right? That does seem like the most on-brand thing to do. It does seem like like generally our money is coming from doing Kickstarters for games. So that's the first thing that springs to mind. So we pivoted to being jugglers. Obviously, if we... I'm very sorry You're not feeling it? Oh, thank you. You can't see me, but I'm miming juggling. And it's pretty good. I actually think this might be our pivot. Continue. All right. I think it's time to do a mid-podcast pivot. <laughs> <laughs> We've pivoted from our pivot <laughs> to join the circus. Okay. <laughs> um, if we're going to do a Kickstarter for another project, that's going to delay Questlandia 2 even more because we will be working on this new project. It won't just give us the time we need to finish Questlandia 2, It'll give us a whole set of new responsibilities. So <laughs> we thought, let's make a really small Kickstarter. Just a small, just like a small role-playing game. That's a, easy, right? A very small game, small. a small Kickstarter that makes a lot of money. There, There's no <laughs> way that that idea could explode into a supernova of complexity. All right, now we you need to play like a little explosion audio clip at this point. That's the placeholder. Or it could be the real thing. That was good. <laughs> so our small project. So the last RPG that we released was Damn the Man, Save the Music. That Kickstarter had a stretch goal. Do you want to tell mm -hmm. the people about that stretch goal? Well... We came up with this terrible idea for a stretch goal, it was, which was... We, we came up with it during the campaign. I'm not proud to say. So, like, don't come up with ideas for stretch goals while your Kickstarter is going. I think that there's not a lot of universes in which that ends well. Um, so, you know, I think that Damn the Man was not funding at the level that I had personally hoped. Um, I had, you know, Noirlandia had been like a $24,000 Kickstarter or something. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast that like, I just kind of thought that, well, naturally, whatever we do next, we'll make even more. Like, that's just the love Kickstarter. Every project you do makes more than the last one. Um, <laughs> but Dan the Man was kind of, it, it was kind of like, I don't know. It's chugging along slowly. It's a much more niche game, and um, very in the spirit of wrong... that game to uh, break the law. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was a wrong assumption that I was coming in with. So I had this idea, like, oh, what if we promise that you know, as our final stretch goal, we'll create an entirely new game based on Damn the Man that's like this Douglas Adams record store at the end of the universe hack. Uh, and we'll release it as, you know, not just a hack, but like a complete game. You don't even need Damn the Man to play it. And that was, you know, uh, over two years ago now. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was an ambitious stretch goal. And it's hard to say even what effect it had, which is always the case with stretch goals. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know if it netted us a single additional backer. Uh, what it did, 
give us was, you know, this sort of <laughs> sense of looming responsibility that's been hanging over our heads for two years for a game that we're actually have since the beginning been genuinely excited about. Um, mm -hmm. But it started to feel weirder and weirder to put so much time, like every game takes so much time. And this idea of devoting, you know, potentially the amount of time we put into creating Damn the Man to creating this small hack of Damn the Man that was going to go out to this small number of backers um, just kind of felt really depressing. And like, where is our time going? And like, do we even have that kind of time? Did we ever have that kind of time? So enter this idea of a small Kickstarter. What if the record store at the end of the universe could be our little Kickstarter? Good. What a clever idea, Evan. Oh. That's already something we were planning on doing. It could, uh, <laughs> it would be so easy. It's barely even a stretch, you know? It's just like a slight <laughs> extension of the arm. We can hand wave this game into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the hope when we started to think about like what project can fill this gap between now and this time in the future when we launch Questlandia 2. And in our minds, this Kickstarter that or this game that we already had promised to some people seemed like the perfect thing to fill it. So if this was going to be a small Kickstarter, if it was going to fund the extension of the Questlandia 2 timeline, we had to put an aggressive deadline on when this Kickstarter would launch. I'm not going to say that deadline right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's soon. But <laughs> it, it did mean jumping really immediately, forcefully, energetically into the design of this sort of Douglas Adams-inspired space game, space misadventures. So we jumped back into work on this record store at the end of the universe game. And how long do you think, Evan, that idea stayed a small idea in our heads between like us deciding to do it and now? I think about 15 minutes into the brainstorming <laughs> session of uh, what this game was going to look like. And it already exploded out into a universe spanning <laughs> enormous production. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, with both of us trying to pull on the reins and keep it in control. But the fact is, we're both really excited about the subject matter. And this is the most fun part of making games. That initial, you have the idea, you love the idea, you get to just slam down all the, all the inspirations and ideas that come out of it. You get to dream about what it could be, and it's not far into the final uh, tamping down of mechanics, proofing, delivering, bookkeeping, inventory. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the idea got really big really fast, but one thing that I feel like separates this from some of our past projects is we really consciously made the choice after like 15 minutes of talking about it, that this project should be bigger than what we had originally envisioned for some really um, practical reasons. 
I I don't remember. What are those reasons? Oh, come on. <laughs> okay. All right. I will list them then. Uh, so one of them was just this idea of how niche the original um, setting was. And, uh, mm. you know, for all the work that would go into even doing a small Kickstarter, if we tried to kickstart a hack of Damn the Man in this really narrow setting in this record store, like, what was that going to make? Like $10,000? It, it's hard to say, but that wouldn't have been an amount of money for a Kickstarter and for where we're at right now that would pay any of us what we need to make the work worth it. And that's that's sad and that's hard. Uh, and that's just where we're at right now is that like the projects that we need to all, that we put out on our own, like projects that I put out on Itch.io or things that I do on Patreon uh, are all like, they really work for me and they work for the small scope that like I can put something out at. But like when we're doing something as make big things, uh, we have to be, there's these like goals that we need to meet now to eat. <laughs> and that's just the realness. I think there was also a, a pressure in a different direction too, which is that as we started to really think about what this game would look like and what the setting would be like and what the uh, the mechanics of it, the gameplay, the all of our hopes for it, we started to really like the game it was shaping up to be. And it started to feel like a project that deserves more than you know, like a one week mini Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. The ideas that we were most excited about were expanded the setting beyond the record store. Mm -hmm. And they were cool ideas. <laughs> we're like, these ideas are awesome. Um, yeah. So this project is not as small as we originally envisioned, but we're still trying to work with a very short timeline and with like a very constrained sort of scope for how the gameplay it's works. It's true. Yeah. Of all the role-playing games we've made, this will be the quickest turnaround if we complete it on time. Uh, and it'll be the smoothest sort of process if we really do get to stick with the damn the man base mechanics with adaptations to this setting. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's what connects this project closely to the original idea and makes it so that it isn't such a dramatic pivot because we were already doing a hack of damn the man. I mean, the goal was to take this game that's already been made and to make a new game using its system and uh, there are a lot of people who are doing that every day with PBTA. It's mm -hmm. a great system. And we like Damn the Man system. It does a certain thing. It creates these scenarios where you have to make hard choices between doubling down on a mundane task and saving the universe. <laughs> and that is like, that's perfect for mapping to Douglas Adams. So <laughs> our... Our pivot to a bigger game, in some ways, isn't really a pivot at all. Yeah? I like it. <laughs> That's great. How are you feeling about Questlandia 2 being pushed back into the future? I mean, I 
I feel like there's a part of me that feels like any change in direction or any time that you push something back is this mark of failure. I, you know, we set these goals and I really want to meet them and be true to them. Mm -hmm. And that's not just for me. That's for like the people that I feel accountable to who are excited about this game. Uh, On the other hand, I have to keep reminding myself that like we actually have this really amazing track record of putting games out. Like this will be our sixth Kickstarter, sixth Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, It's 2019 and we started doing this in 2014. And like, I feel, I feel really good about that. Like, I, I feel like I can't say that we haven't been working really hard and like working with everything we have this whole time. So I just have to remind myself that like sometimes this is the reality of making a thing is that it takes a little longer or your vision changes. Uh, but yeah, how about you, Evan? Where are you at? I mean, I'm definitely in agreement with everything you've said. There's a certain just pain to it. Of, you know, it's not just the feeling of missing a deadline or disappointing people who might be following the progress. It's the realization that there's still a lot of work to do. You you know, it's like looking at what those extra months of preparation are going to be like and feeling the, the pressure and challenge of it. So for like, for me, one thing that I've started to imagine in my head that makes me feel better is that Questlandia 2 is like the dwarf fortress of role-playing games. <laughs> and we're actually just going to have this like years long devlog where it's like, you know, from week to week, we're like, uh, gutter gnomes now say thank you after making change. <laughs> <laughs> that comforts when you give you? them a 20. That's, that's great. <laughs> That's great for you. <laughs> it does cover. <laughs> I should be thinking more about uh, eternity, an eternity of work on Questlandia too. That's a good point. Yeah, feel comforted. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, the reality is, we've been working as hard as we can, and creative design is just not a straight road. You've got to make decisions and pursue them, and you can't know ahead of time whether it's going to really work out. And, you know, we've got really high standards for Questlandia too, but we have high standards for all of our games. But with every project we've made, we've learned a lot. We're constantly trying to improve on what we've learned and make things that are better and feel really good to hold and to look at and to play and Questlandia 2 means a lot to us both. And like, we just want to make it, we want it to be this game. That's just absolutely the fucking best it can be. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not there yet. Yeah. (laughs) It's not going to be there for a while. It's kind of like the war and peace of role-playing games. (laughs) Yeah. So if I could just, you know, if I can just resample something that you said, Evan, uh, over a year ago when we started this podcast. Yeah, 
I've been bullied about for years now. <laughs> so, you know, high, high standards. So as we mentioned, at the end of the day, we've delayed Questlandia 2, which will be a benefit to that game. And we've taken a new project and made an aggressive schedule for it and brainstormed it and we're, we're bringing it out. And that's a sort of luxury that comes from us being in control, being a part of a worker co-op where we can make drastic changes and adapt to the reality of the situation. We don't have to put out uh, a crappy version of Questlandia 2. We can shape reality to our will. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's interesting because like you put down this note as like a benefit uh, and like of being part of a worker owned co-op and like the flexibility that allows. I felt and I still feel really anxious about this decision. And I feel like, you know, if it was just me doodling about making my own games on my own schedule, that would give me more flexibility to fuck with the timeline. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it's, we're somewhere it's in both ends, right? <laughs> we have the momentum of the existence of our company, where it's we're thinking about the future, we're thinking about each other and supporting each other, and we're thinking about all of our financial realities, and that comes with responsibility. And I guess if it was just me, probably. I'd be in the alternate timeline where I've been curled up in a bathtub for two years, <laughs> not wanting to do anything because games are stressful to make. And I still have yet to figure out the cost reward. Uh, now we're only ratio. sort of in that reality. <laughs> got, got one leg in the bathtub. The toes you know, are curled. I mean, it's like <laughs> I have friends to like lift me out and lift me up. And that's real. I mean, it's like I joke about it, but that is actually a really good part of being part of what of this co-op and what we're doing is like I want my friends to eat too and pay their rent too and pay their internet bills. And I feel it's like not responsible to them, but you know, like, like we're all in it together. Comcast isn't going to get paid without our work. No, they, yeah, they would just crumble. I think <laughs> without the three. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Xfinity. <laughs> Free internet hotspots, wherever you go. So the work on Questlandia 2 has not stopped. It continues. There's, there are some natural benefits to doing another Kickstarter first. Because every single Kickstarter has been educational. Every single one has taught us new ways to get the word out, to better present our ideas and our projects, and to have a larger audience to pay attention to what we make. Agree? Disagree? Who knows? Agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we've talked about 
Questlandia 2, we've talked about what it would look like to use different, you know, to use pro- like uh, production things that we've never done before. Are, is it going to go in a box? We've done stuff in boxes before, but like not things that look like they've been kind of scrappy boxes. <laughs> so we've got this smaller scale project. It's bigger than the smaller scale project we'd hoped for, but it's not as big as Questlandia 2. And it's going to be this like playground for trying out some of these things that we want to do in Questlandia 2, but like a responsible playground. Like we're not just fucking around. We're like, you know, we are, like we a are playground adults with, like, on the playground. <laughs> cool okay so <laughs> that's fine uh i don't even know if we've said what the game is called yet it's called starship ultra Lux, and it's gonna be awesome and it's hard is that an you know, asterisk hard here? <laughs> awesome i know i'm trying to practice more like dropping my yeah. voice as sort of like a femme socialized person like rather than saying everything like it's a question uh you know it's called starship ultra lux luck <clears throat> i have I, it's a work in progress um but it, it's hard in this episode because i realize we're doing this whole episode about pivoting to this new project and it's like is the episode about pivoting or is it about the new project like are we being suckily vague do we say <laughs> i guess we should like <laughs> our episode's almost over hey evan do you want to end with talking about what it is that makes this new thing awesome awesome yeah what makes it awesome uh, the problem I'm having is if we want to do an introduction to Ultralux, it feels like we should uh, give the pitch, which is still a work in progress. <laughs> I feel like I can pitch okay. Starship Ultralux. Right. Ultralux. How would you pitch this game? So Starship Ultralux is this Douglas Adams Red Dwarf inspired space adventure RPG about a bunch of people who were on this luxury cruise liner, the Starship Ultralux Vacations, and something terrible has happened aboard the ship. Everybody escaped, except for this small group of people who were then sent into a million-year cryo-freeze. Those people represent some passengers and some crew, and they're mostly united by the goal of wanting to escape the ship. Not all of them, though. The ship was designed to be the ultimate in technological decadence. And after a million years, uh, that's evolved into a sort of sentient decadence. You know, the caviar eggs <laughs> have hatched, and those creatures have lived many lifetimes and have made their own art and culture. So this is post post decadence. Like the casino <laughs> slot machines have evolved sentience, so they sort of are constantly playing each other in a loop of self-propelled gambling addiction. And we have this cast of characters. Um, more so than any RPG we've made before, 
we are designing the setting, designing the characters that you'll play as. These specific people stranded on the derelict Starship Ultralux. And it's a blast. <laughs> it's getting to do some sci-fi comedy writing for the first time in any of our games. Uh, I mean, I giggle. Yeah. I gig- I've had a giggle I, or two. I'll be I honest. Mean, I know show, don't tell, but I... <laughs> get my giggles it's good it's good fun stuff god i hate this <laughs> all right well we have a final question for you then evan yeah. to write this ship um what are to bring this back to questlandia 2 which we're not abandoning what are our next definitely steps not for questlandia Definitely not. Not abandoning. Not. No. Don't even think about it's that not. word. We promise. No guilt. We're not even going to mention that word. The what A are... word. <laughs> what A word? Oh, abandoning? Shh. No. Oh. So what are the next <laughs> steps for Questlandia 2? So where we've left off in Questlandia 2 development is in zeroing in on the junk poets and the way that they will run scenes and sort of control the storylines of the worlds you're going through. Doing a rewrite of the junk poet sheets, what their powers are, and the new ways that we envision them playing is the next thing on our plate. We want to get mm -hmm. those ready and we want to get play tests on the calendar to start seeing if this meta level can feel properly integrated and not like a uh, jarring, taking you out of the experience kind of thing. So scheduling playtests, redesigning junk poets, and prepping the Kickstarter, at least in the very early processes of uh, figuring out what needs to happen, what art we want, what kind of packaging we want. Yeah, I think scheduling playtests is right on because I can't really think of anything that's been more helpful to keep us accountable to continuing to develop a game than playing it with other people who are going to come over to your house. Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> but Bring important. In the social pressures. Yeah. So that's what's next. Let's get a Questlandia 2 playtest on the schedule. Let's like, let's, let's do this. Let's keep it going. Let's do it right here. We're doing it live. Open your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Ugh. <laughs> Accountability in action. <laughs> this is democracy manifest. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's see. I'm looking at my calendar. Oi, uh, what do you think, Evan? Should we do a weekend or a weekday? We should do a weekend. Yeah. A weekend? What about Saturday? Should, oof, do you think next weekend's too soon? Like Saturday the 27th? Should we give a little bit more time? Is that already just the next weekend? What do you think? Oh, I know. Man. Panic. Saturday afternoon. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can so? make it. Everybody's Ooh. available. Okay. 
All right. That is the problem with having a really good group of friends is that they're always fucking available. (laughs) I always try Like I always schedule these things. Like I try to schedule at really bad times Mm -hmm. and everybody can always make it. 4 a.m. on Sunday. All right. So I'm putting it on the calendar. (laughs) Everyone's like, I'm there. (laughs) I'll bring bagels. All right. So I'm saying Questlandia to playtest. Saturday, the 27th. Should we pick a time just so we close this 1 loop? 1 p.m. Let's do it. 1 p.m. <sighs> okay. I'll say 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. 4 p.m. I'll send out an email today. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's real game design so, so it sounds like then our next episode will be another how is playtesting progress going? Oh, it's going to have some theme, but I don't know what that theme is yet because I think it will come up during that playtest. Or maybe people won't be available. And well, uh, I, who, <laughs> we can dream. Highly unlikely. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. If you have thoughts or questions, you can always email us at designdocpod. Wait, is that it? Designdocpod at gmail.com. You know when you say something enough times that like the words Design are fake? Designdocpod at gmail.com. Is that it? Right? It's not designdoc at gmail. It's designdoc. I think we got the pod. Uh, yes. At designdocpod. I double checked. Okay. <laughs> at designdocpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet to us. At design doc pod. <laughs> Why is it like <laughs> my brain exploded at the end of this episode? What is our Twitter yes, handle? Pod. We, we <laughs> love the pod. <laughs> or you can tweet to us individually. I'm hand bandit. I'm a drawn novel. If you have thoughts or questions about pivoting, if you feel disappointed or excited, let us know. Why would I ask people to let us know if they felt disappointed? If you feel disappointed, <laughs> write like... to us immediately and really break it down. <laughs> Spell it out. Get personal. <laughs> open up a page from my diary and send it straight to me. All right. We can cut that all out. No, keep cut it, it all out. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> so we look forward to hearing. <laughs> so we look forward to hearing your thoughts. The Design Doc intro outro theme was written by our friend, musician Pat King. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> the design doc podcast is like now in my mind i'm just like like i'm questioning everything it's a podcast. what are words for anything is it a podcast a doc of design <laughs> or is it a you know a monthly subscription basket <laughs> um <laughs> the de- <laughs> the design doc podcast is hosted by the one shot podcast network one shot hosts other great shows like its flagship show one shot the most fun way to learn new games is to play on one shot you can discover the amazing variety in rpgs by listening to actual plays every week james damato brings you a new episode with a talented cast of improvisers game designers 
and other notable nerds. At least once a month, OneShot features a new system exploring a wide variety of genres. The stories are self-contained, so you can jump in anywhere, and it's a great way to find your new favorite game. Discover the magic of RPGs with OneShot on your favorite podcast app. 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 We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode post-playtest. Thanks for listening, heroes.